I don't know. They, they, they don't make tech people like they used to. Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we've brought together a panel of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand and at the very least agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about connectivity to and within the cloud. My name is Brian Knutson, cloud technologist for ILAN, and I will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a great cross-section of cloud experiences. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite about their initial thoughts about what is important about the connectivity of cloud infrastructure. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate you having me on. My name is Jack Bailey. I'm Director of Sales and Channel Enablement at Island. And to me, connectivity is, if not the, one of the most important pieces of the cloud, right? The performance, the capabilities of the cloud do not matter if you don't have solid, reliable, and secure connectivity. Hi, my name is Trevor Pott, and I am a technical security lead at Juniper Networks. My view of the world is formed from my time as a systems administrator, and as much as I appreciate the importance of the connectivity of the cloud, I tend to place more focus on the security portion of the equation than whether or not the bits flow. Hey, Brian. It's great to be on here. My name is Leah Shobe. I work for AMD as a senior developer advocate, and my view of the cloud is basically more towards protecting it. So not so much security as it is in protecting your data, data protection, disaster recovery. Thank you all for joining me. So connectivity to the cloud is critical when parts of the business are moved to the cloud. You know, whether it's a core business application move to a software as a service platform or backups that are being sent to a cloud provider just in case, the ability to have a secure path to connect to these services could mean the difference between servicing customers or not. The data may be safe in the cloud, but if it can't be accessed, does it even exist? Leah, I'm going to start with you. What should customers look for to ensure their connections to the cloud providers have eliminated single points of failure? Well, that's a really good question because a lot of folks do not spend enough time thinking about their single points of failure because there's so many different areas that you have to take a look at and consider. And it covers a wide variety of areas. So you almost have to be a generalist and really look at the big picture of your architecture when you're thinking about single points of failure. The bottom line is you need good data protection and you need a really good disaster recovery plan. I think those two things are very important because when you have those in place, when things go bad and your single points of failure get exposed, you have a plan to be able to handle that. So I find that that's very important. So basically, I mentioned that there are several areas for single point of failure. You can look at your network. So if you have an NAT, which is something that acts kind of like a cable modem that connects you to the public network, if you only have one and you have a failure with that, then you have no way of connecting to your data. So uh, when it comes to conductivity to the cloud, you may want to look at some high availability solutions. You may want to look at some redundancy to make sure that 
if your connection actually goes down, that you have a backup, you have something that will keep you going, especially in mission critical types of areas. Critical applications, you wanna make sure and protect those applications. And if you have those applications in the cloud, have you thought about replicating those applications or making sure that there is some type of failure plan where if you have a hardware failure in, let's say one zone that you have your application in, that you have the ability of having that application run either on another VM or even in another zone somewhere where they can pick up that load pretty quickly. A lot of folks use DNS servers for lots of managing traffic. If you choose to do that, you may want to make sure you use multiple DNS servers in a zone, for example. So these are just types of examples of areas that you need to look at. And even if you don't have expertise in a particular area to look at single points of failure, that's where your colleagues come in because it's a pretty big job to make sure that you stay connected. And redundancy is very important. But at the end of the day, if you have a good data protection plan, you have a good DR plan, and you do regular audits, to make sure that your security is up, that you have good cost controls and performance, you'll be able to look at and evaluate on a regular basis what those single points of failure are, because a lot of times that will move. You might have a single point of failure one month in a particular situation, especially in software, but that single point of failure may move if that architecture or that infrastructure has been shifted or changed or redesigned, in fact. Yeah, this is Jack. I'd love to add a bit onto what Leah said because I think she made some great points there. You know, working in the cloud space, I too have focused a lot on DR and backup as well as networking. You know, my background was network engineering back in the day. But I think, you know, we talk a lot about with our team and our sales team about a three, two, one rule of data protection, right? Which basically preaches multiple copies of data. And I, I couldn't agree more with Leah on the fact that with the network, you need to treat that with the same amount of redundancy. When you're effectively moving your on-premises compute to the cloud, that connectivity becomes critical, right? As we mentioned in our introductions, it can be running in the cloud, and if you can't access it in a secure manner, is it even running, as you mentioned, Brian? So to me, there's really a few components to look at there. As Lee was mentioning, certainly a component that customers need to consider just beyond the cloud provider is their own local connectivity, right? Having multiple carriers through multiple providers throughout that whole path, trying to eliminate a single point of failure. Perhaps in their own local environment, if possible, using two different technologies for connectivity to the public internet. So that if there is an outage within their own regional environment or within the office building, or of course these days, in a more timely manner, in their own home networks, that they still have a way to connect out to all the resources that are running in that environment. I think there's also one other point I'd add, because Lee was talking about the importance of replication and data protection. And that is also something that customers need to really focus on from a redundancy perspective as well when it comes to network connectivity. If their environment goes down or if one of their links goes down or they have a reason to fail over to a secondary environment, how is connectivity going to occur in that regard? So companies definitely need to plan out not just redundancy in their own primary networks, but redundancy from a perspective of if we're in a DR scenario, how do my remote users connect and what options do I have to make sure that they have continued connectivity during that event? Yeah, so um, I find this 
all kind of an interesting conversation for a couple of reasons. From the data storage side, I remember being the guy who made a lot of these arguments myself, you know, the importance of backups, etc. If your data doesn't exist in at least two places, it does not exist. But this focus on information security over the past couple of years has brought another sort of axiom in here, which is the data is not an asset, it's a liability. And so an important part of data management in the cloud or on-premises is to make sure that you're not holding any data that you don't absolutely need. This certainly can make your backup life a little bit easier, but it also reduces the amount of liability that you have as regards potential future breaches. Another thing that strikes me is that as you know, we're talking about network redundancy, I'm sort of sitting here smiling a bit in the background because, you know, Juniper has this kind of solved. You know, taking off my Juniper hat and putting my sysadmin hat on, some of the stuff that we have to solve these problems is actually kind of cool. You know, there are a couple of different widgets at Juniper that in a single box, it's a firewall, it's a switch, it can have LTE, it can have ADSL, it can have any kind of broadband connectivity. It's You can even plug Wi-Fi directly into it, all those integrated cards. And, you know, I think that the part where these are becoming very common not just from Juniper, but you know, other vendors are producing these as well. It's now no longer so much about whether you can connect to multiple different things, but it's how you're stitching it all together. So you need a secure SD-WAN. You probably need some form of software-defined networking on the LAN side as well. You need to be able to segment your networks and to put different layers of protection and policies on different pieces of your network. And that has to apply whether the workload is on-premises, whether it's in the cloud, wherever it happens to be. So this is really moving the discussion away from just raw connectivity options over to management and especially to automation and orchestration, because even small businesses are struggling with doing any of this at just the most basic scale today. There is just so much moving in tech today that automation and orchestration and management really are the focus for everything. And it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because when I think about small business, even in the startup community, there doesn't seem to be data centers anymore. They don't seem to have their own little server sitting in a office somewhere. The infrastructure seems to be more around client systems to the cloud. So that conductivity between your laptop or between any mobile device you have or even a desktop directly to the cloud is running a lot of people's businesses today. And so thinking about uh, what you need to do to make that secure and redundant is also just as important. Absolutely. And I think one thing to really note here is that this is actually very connectivity option dependent. That's a great point. I mean, it's really not that abnormal to run a bunch of branch offices off of what amounts to a single CPE device with a couple of different connectivity options on it, because as long as they've got halfway decent connectivity, you don't need any sort of servers on that site. But as soon as you start getting out in, you know, to rural areas or anywhere where connectivity isn't great, then, you know, you start to at least see the odd NAS pop up or something like that. And more and more, I begin to wonder about what the impact of our current situation is going to be long term, as more and more organizations are forced to come face to face with the concept of remote working. I think that what's going to end up happening is this is going to place more of a pressure on 
SD WAN kind of arrangements. Absolutely. And various kinds of secured, almost software defined LAN over a much wider area than what we're t- typically talking about. The ability to have your remote users or remote sites connect in, but also get VLAN assignments, get their security policies, all the rest of this in a way that current VPNs just don't quite handle. And that's going to require a complete rethinking of how we do not just the networking component, but how do we do the storage? If you're building your 500 megabyte PowerPoint deck or whatever, mm-hmm. you know how is that going to handle syncing back up to the cloud every time you make a change? These are things that IT teams, I think, are going to really have to face for the next year. Oh, I totally agree. And also the management of that data, because you know today we have most people working at home. I know at AMD, we have over 10,000 employees. And so imagine the majority of them working from home and having to use their Wi-Fi and use the local storage that they have in order to manage what they do locally on their laptops versus what gets saved securely inside the company. And so what do we do with security at that aspect? Because everybody's working on sensitive information in a lot of these companies, you know, banking, you think of other industries, and they have a lot of security that they have to deal with. So they're not able to save things locally on their devices. So conductivity becomes even more important because now that worker cannot do any work at all unless they have that reliability of conductivity. You're a VDI, finally. (laughs) (laughs) And that connectivity, I really like that point, Leia, where that connectivity is important because you don't necessarily want the data to go to the other side, which means that sometimes it's easier from a data movement perspective to move the data to the compute, if you will, in this case, but you don't want that necessarily leaving the walled kingdom. And so now you've got to take the higher bandwidth, the more ongoing, consistent connection and bring that user into the walled kingdom from a remote place because you don't want to send that data around. And I think that ties in real well. And Jack, I want to bring you in on this one with your networking background and ask when customers are taking their assets out to the cloud, are they generally viewing that as an extension of their core data center? And how should they look at that connectivity and making sure that it is secure so they can truly view it as an extension of their walled kingdom? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it goes right along with what we've been talking about, about the importance of security in addition to the throughput and redundancy there, right? In my role now and previous role at Island, you know, our sales team talks about a lot of the deals they win. And one of the constant factors is the challenge the customers have is trying to solve complexity of networks in a secure, reliable way, right? You know, we see them approaching a few ways here, integrated network appliances, right? So in our case, customers leverage things like NSX Edge and typically are using things like IPsec or SSL VPN, right? Certainly in a bring your own approach, we see a lot of companies that have already standardized on Juniper or Cisco or other vendors, right? And they look at potentially bringing a virtual or physical appliance into the cloud to make it a more turnkey solution so they can continue managing things. I think that's a good thing to bring up as well is Part of the reason security in the cloud can sometimes be complex for organizations is just the lack of familiarity. That goes with compute. That also goes with the network connectivity. We have much more success of securing things that we have built-in validated designs for. So that bring-your-own approach to an appliance 
solution is a huge growing trend that we see and it's something that we work with customers on all the time. And in addition to that sort of familiarity, the final angle I've seen customers take at a pretty high rate recently as well is the demand of bringing in their own carriers or circuit options, right? So whether it be a physical connection or a virtual circuit, things like MPLS, VPLS, SD-WAN components are becoming much more of a driving force for customers that I see day to day because they realize of the need to extend their environments, as you were mentioning, Brian, you know, the term multi-cloud and hybrid cloud gets used a lot these days. And rightly so, more and more companies are using multiple clouds in multiple capacities. And so sort of creating that interconnectivity between them in a seamless fashion that still secures a really big component. But I, I can't wait to hear what the other panelists have to say about this as well. The idea that you bring in about multiple cloud solutions, that's something that is hard to manage. And there's been software out there over the past few years to try to help you manage what that looks like. And so that is something that's a whole nother area of conductivity and how to move data back and forth between using multiple providers while keeping your costs down. And what does your DR plan look like when you do that? Because uh, then things get exponentially more complex when you move to that type of architecture. I'd like to chip in here a bit, but maybe moving a little bit away from the multi-cloud portion to geek out a little bit on some of the options for the customer premises stuff. And I, you know, this is the old school nerd in me that, that likes the blinking lights and likes to hug the server. So I like the physical device. But we have this device at Juniper and it was the first time I sort of encountered anything quite like it. But I've begun to notice that there are a few more of these things popping up called an NFX. And basically what it is, is it's a big switch that it is also an x86 server and it runs KVM. And so it's got a bunch of virtual machines on there, such as a virtual SRX firewall and some network functions and that sort of thing. But what really gets me about this, you can pack all the network functions you want into this thing, all your secure routing, your secure SD-WAN, your secure LAN, and then you can start just layering on the security options here. So you can get your unified threat management, your advanced threat protection, and so on and so forth. I mean, I'd say essentially, it's an x86 server with a hypervisor. You can put anything you want ultimately on there, although most of the vendors that sell these sorts of things have pretty much everything you want. The cool part is that what this means is that since these are designed explicitly to be CPE devices, they're for branches, they're, you know, this is the sort of thing where you can manage entire fleets of these things centrally with lots and lots and lots of the information security handled right at the network level. And I think this is really sort of the future of how we're going to have to be dealing with IT. It's not loading up a bunch of clients and agents and things like that onto every single endpoint. It's building this into the CPE devices that sit at the edge of you know, the individual person or individual branches network so that it's invisible to the end user. And personally, I just think it's kind of cool that we've started bodging entire switches and stuff like that directly into these servers and building them into something that's easy enough that you could just push button and go. So Trevor, you've talked a lot about the software-defined WAN topic. I'm interested in, as that has become a much more popular way of connecting things these days, and, and I think our piece of that device that you've been talking about in a lot of cases, can you explain a little bit how the SD-WAN technologies work and, and how they kind of fit into an overall connectivity um, plan between clouds? 
Um, to a certain extent. I mean, you know, SD-WAN sort of means different things to, to different folks, but there are a few sort of common themes. Uh, the first is that SD-WAN typically tries to replace more expensive traditional options, like, say, for example, MPLS. It allows you to establish secure connectivity between multiple sites, even though those sites happen to be running over the internet, for example. Now, uh, a secure SD-WAN usually has some form of quality of experience, which allows you to make use of the limited bandwidth that you happen to have at that site and make sure that the specific applications that you need get the quality that they're requiring. But also, they tend to be able to handle multipath, right? I mean, you probably have more than one connection option at any site that you care about. So you need to be able to handle these multiple paths to be able to figure out how much data you're going to send down. Each of them is one of the connections metered and so on and so forth. And you know there are a lot of companies out there that have SD-WAN. But I think the really important part is that you have to have secure SD-WAN. I mean, of course, I say this because I'm an InfoSec nerd, but I do actually think that this is the big differentiator. And this is what's really going to separate the wheat from the chaff over the next few years. Because if you don't bake your security into this, and if you don't make the security something that has centralized policy and that has policy that can be deployed across your entire network fabric, regardless of on whose infrastructure your workloads and your networking operates, how are you ever going to manage it? As Leah was saying, you know, AMD has over 10,000 people that work there. Juniper has almost 10,000 ourselves. I mean, you can't manage any of that manually. And even a small business can have multiple sites. I used to work at one that had five sites, and, and that was a lot for just two people to do without centralized management. Yeah, I think for those very reasons, that's what I was mentioned before, that we've seen an uptick in customers interested, I should say, in SD-WAN technologies, right? The more sort of sites, locations, branch offices, hubs, spokes, whatever components of their networks that actually need to talk to each other, is becoming more and more distributed from customers that I've seen, right? global environments to have teams across the U.S., across the world, and also need to have resources in a similar capacity. They've always had that demand for ways to link their environments together in a secure fashion, as was mentioned. But definitely the cost prohibitive nature to some of the direct circuit approaches or technologies of the past were a limit to that. So that's where I've definitely seen a demand from the SD-WAN perspective as well. Yeah, and just realize that one thing that has made this really explode is the fact that folks are not just using one device these days. Like I have three laptops and two tablets up right now, and they're all connected to the outside. And a lot of them are connected to work. And so you'll find that technology is not just looking at a a one-to-one. You've got five people in the office, so you only need five connections. You're going to have five people in the office, but then you're going to have 25, 30 connections in some cases because of just the way we work today. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of the at scale part that Trevor mentioned is it's not only the number of sites and potentially the number of individuals that you need to bring together into that secure network, but it can be, you know, all those extra devices and you know, that's not even touching the IoT side of things that is rapidly growing today that have become parts of businesses when you look at security systems and, and whatnot that are adding additional nodes onto those networks. And again, that's an area that needs to be really well thought out from a security perspective because you're constantly streaming video of your the inside of your building. That's not something you want outside the company, really. Well, and that brings up sort of another part of what 
is increasingly important about any sort of connectivity option is the sort of hybrid WAN idea, where you're only sending down the link to, say, your main data center or to some of your cloud workloads, that data which belongs there. If an individual site or an individual home user is going to access the internet, there's no need to backhaul that internet connectivity through your corporate network. It adds latency, it ties up bandwidth, it costs you a lot of money. But I think part of the rest of that, though, is that this brings us back to that secure conversation. If you're going to do a hybrid WAN setup like that, how are you going to secure that internet traffic so that whoever is sitting there with their four laptops or whatever isn't hauling down a whole bunch of malware or you know, clicking on phishing links or, or what have you? So this really places the emphasis on making sure that the security lives in the network and that it manages to secure both the internet-bound traffic and the corporate-bound traffic from the same edge device. I'm curious on that talking point. Uh, it's not necessarily related directly to the question, but how have customers that you've talked with or heard from over the years transitioned or have they been resistant to transitioning from agent-based OS security to network or having that component within their environment? Well, honestly, uh, I mean, I think that's what the next decade of IT is really going to be about. I would not make the claim that customers have broadly succeeded in doing this. I mean, if you went knocked on Juniper's door right today, we could help you do it. I'm sure that there are a few other companies that probably could. But at the end of the day, we still have a very old school mindset amongst systems administrators. They feel that they need to have this absolute control over the endpoint and they need to put all the security there. But I'm not a believer in that. I used to be, but I'm not. I think the security belongs in the network exactly for the reason that Leah brought up, which is that we can have so many different devices. And that's before we even start talking about things like Internet of Things devices that can absolutely live on that network. I mean, I would much prefer to have my defenses live in the network and work in concert with agents that might be on my devices than I would to just rely on my device to defend itself because my Internet of Things device can get compromised and then it can start attacking everything else on my network. I need a network that is threat aware enough to be able to detect that sort of attack and at least alert me of it, preferably alert the central IT teams. And that is where I think a lot of the innovation in networking and in cloud connectivity is going to come from, is moving that security directly into the network. That's something that's also even very important inside the cloud. So for our service providers, the amount of bandwidth that they are creating as they create new services, for example, cloud gaming, that is something that has just hit the scene in the past few months to a year, where uh, you can get these live streaming services on any of your devices. And so what kind of traffic and security problems are that causing by having that sudden increase of activity in their infrastructures as they expand their gaming offerings, for example? And with gaming and some of these other things, telehealth is another good example. Latency is what really, really matters. So you also need, you know, the quality of experience capabilities mm -hmm. in addition to your security. So you start needing some pretty fully fledged networking capabilities at every site that's going to be connected. Absolutely. Yeah, that gaming experience, any gamer out there knows the importance of being able to get that extra edge against their competitor. And so 
how the game downloads between the cloud and your device to give you that edge and, you know, from your cache is extremely important how that happens with the user experience. That is so true. Clearly, security is a huge part of the connectivity to a cloud-ready environment. I really look forward to probably having both Leah and Trevor over for a later conversation on security. But ultimately, it comes down to a lot of businesses need to properly consider their single points of failure when it comes to being able to maintain the connection itself. You know, maintaining connectivity should definitely be a part of a DR business continuity plan and being able to plan out the redundancy of not just the primary use case, your day-to-day operations, but you know, when a disaster happens, how are you going to ensure that connectivity maintains? Because any given disaster could potentially affect those alternate paths that you might use in a failover scenario as well. And it's important to keep in mind as you consider that, that the single point of failure can move, um, especially as we introduce more and more software-defined infrastructure into place. Of course, when we look at the client systems, we need to be aware of the fact that a lot of applications, a lot of new technology we may be introducing does depend on cloud connectivity to begin with. So we've got to keep those in mind too on how you know potentially an, an individual user's device may need to connect directly to the cloud that may not require connecting directly to the central hub of the network. And the connectivity to all of this data that we have out there can be a liability from a security standpoint. Making sure that the copies of data that you have out there that is highly connected, you know, you want to have access to that data at any given point in time means that it's available to anybody else to potentially connect to. And so you need to take that into serious consideration, especially when you talk about remote workers that, you know, need to access that data and they aren't in the core network. And how are you going to adjudicate that to make sure that they are authorized to get it in the first place? You know, when we move that data across the multiple different cloud providers, that does raise costs and complexity, oftentimes in an exponential manner, because now you're talking about a many-to-many mesh type of a network that sometimes can be an advantage, sometimes can be a disadvantage, and you've got to be able to carefully consider all the potentials that are going on there. And one of those potentials is an SD-WAN. It's becoming a very popular option out there as customers are looking to connect multiple sites together as flexible and easy as possible. And ultimately, it can be a lot cheaper than having to have hard links between those sites and provides a much simpler management when you get at scale. So look for intelligence around the quality of service, around multi-pathing, looking for a security that's already built in so that you can protect that network and make sure that it's going to run as efficiently as possible. But with that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Leah, Jack, and Trevor for a great conversation. Also, thanks to iLand for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information about this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. And if you found this content useful, we'd really appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. You know, I think we probably should solve this soonish.